This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Where I'm going to remind everybody once again, if you are in need of a gift idea for someone you either know or even don't know very well, Zupan's is a great place to get either food items, of course, but I just bought some of their really nice napkins last night as a gift for people I don't know very well, and they have just an incredible selection of really nice napkins and tablecloths and runners and placemats, and that's, you know, for people who generally have to eat every day, those are good ideas, and so I strongly suggest if you're kind of trying to think that you need to get a gift and you don't know what it is, just head on down to Zupan's, do a little shopping, and take a look at what they have. Oh, yeah. When it comes to, like, housewarming, homewarming gifts, you can't go wrong at your local Zupan's with all that great stuff. Especially with the plants. Yeah. Great selection of plants and flowers there, yep. too. And they're just beautiful, and they last longer than others. I bought some plants from a local market here out at the coast. They lasted one day. Hmm. Zupan's always last much longer they're fresher and more beautiful yeah uh take advantage of that also take advantage chris of some great stuff going on some uh things that are on sale right now double r ranch beef flank steak you're going to save nine bucks through the 18th of july or maybe you're a chicken person boneless skinless chicken breast from ranger four dollars off on that um they've also we we've been talking about this for some time their house made marinated kebabs whether it's chicken or, or pork um you can't go wrong mix grilling this summer super easy just you know, buy them at your local zoo pans and throw them on the grill well it's a good time for grilling and the other thing that you can do is save money on some really great buns and rolls from grand central bakery which you can get at zoo pans a lot of the bakeries sell their their beautiful things through zoo pans but you can get uh, two dollars off some hot dog buns and potato buns right now at zoo pans very nice and we always recommend you you keep your eye on either zoopans.com or sign up for the news feed that's the uh, the letter with a uh, gives you you know an idea of what's on sale sometimes you get a bargain in there something for free something uh, a significant amount off or sometimes it's just a recipe i'm looking at a recipe for fresh and wild swordfish steaks that are orange and ginger uh flavored so this looks really good if you've like if you're like me and you've never had swordfish but you'd like to make something delicious zoopians.com can help you get it you just need but you need to learn to uh cook that properly because you can you can make it a little dry swordfish was something we had all the time in the east coast and of course because it's zupans you can get things from all over the country and all over the world um uh swordfish is something you normally don't see on the west coast a real treat from zupans that's right three locations to serve you mcadam west burnside and lake oswego and as always go where for details zupans.com All right, here it is. Time once again, Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It is right at the fork with your host, Chris Angelus from Portland Food Adventures, and I'm co-host, Court Johnson. Hello, Courtney. Did you see the little text I sent you the other day that I saw? There was a Jeopardy contestant, I believe, by the name of Courtney Johnson. I I, I missed that text, Chris. oh, Oh, you know what? I think I was on a plane or I was in the middle of something and I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, so I actually, I'm looking at it now. 
I just haven't had a chance to watch it. So the is it a guy or a girl named Courtney? Actually, I'm not even sure that's what it was. It was some some maybe it was a question. Something was referenced, and it turns out when I re-listened to it, it was Courtney Johnston. Oh, okay. But still, it was fun. To, it's not like you'd you know have an out there name. Sure, it's pretty. Yeah, you'd, yeah, you'd be you'd be surprised how many Court Johnsons there are out there. So yeah, yeah. Well, it's good that you weren't named Bill. Sure. I mean, there are definitely <laughs> Bill or Harry. Yeah, Bill. I, there are a couple of Chris Angeluses out there in the world. As a matter of fact, I had a professor in, my, in an English class at the University of Arizona who freaked out once when he called my name uh, the first class. And it turns out, I found out, he did his thesis in college uh, on a guy named Christopher Angelus who lived in the year 1683. Wow. And then he just thought, he was freaked out because I thought, he thought I was coming back to haunt him. Hmm. So I'm th- sure there are people in my life who have thought I was there to haunt them, but not for that particular reason. Right, 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 right. So uh, there aren't a ton of Angeluses out there, but there are some spelled with a U.S. You met one. I have. You're cousin. your cousin. Yep. Yeah. Um, have we discussed that experience there? We, we've talked about it. I think we, I think we alluded to it a couple of weeks ago that I had just gone and, and ate at his restaurant. Uh, but uh, I don't think we talked about any more than that. That oh. I, I know we, I know in in previous episodes we've talked about the fact that your cousin Jim um, came out here to the West Coast, much like you. But he went left and you went right, and he came down to San Francisco. You you didn't go at the same time, but roughly the same same time period, right? Yeah, he was here. He actually used to work with uh, with Rick Giancarelli in Westport at a restaurant. My cousin Jim was front of the house, and Rick was the chef. Yeah, and I never remember what the name of that restaurant was, but it was right there on the Saugatuck River. But at any rate, so uh, I'm glad you went, and everybody I know who lives around Coal Valley knows Jim because it is the consummate neighborhood tavern pub it's not really a pub it's a restaurant it's a restaurant but but in the in yeah in in about the two and a half i was almost it's probably two and a half hours that i was sitting there talking with them because it's right there in the heart of coal valley it's the coal valley tavern in case you you choose to go go there if you come down to san francisco um like he was constantly waving and saying hi to everybody passing by like everybody knows jim which was just awesome i was sitting with his wife and kids and i really didn't get a word in edgewise because there were you know, people neighborhood people stopping oh. by to talk to him. They yeah, and everybody. get this, and I'm sure you saw it. The day after I was there, the mayor of San Francisco popped in. Yes. Which was pretty great. That was cool, and Jimmy had a chance to introduce his daughters to the mayor, and I, that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. That's no small... It's not like the, you know, the mayor of Manzanita. No, it's so. just, it's just that, you know, how many restaurants and places to eat there are in, in San Francisco. I mean, there's like 30 of them just outside my my apartment here so um that she stopped in that was great well i wonder how long it's going to take the mayor to get into the i think we can safely say at least one of the newest restaurants in portland l'orange which uh just opened in the former willow space on 11th avenue there and it is um it is helmed in the kitchen by joel stocks formerly of holdfast 
And, you know, everybody will remember Joel and his whole fast days, if they ever were really dining out in Portland, with Will Price, and who's now over at Abbey Road Farms. Well, Joel is um, opened L'Orange with Jeff uh, from Les Caves. And uh, we talk about that a little bit in this podcast. But I had occasion to go there last night and run into lots of good people like Andre from Erdaneta and uh, Bonnie and Israel from Kachka were dining there with, with family. And then we had a, a guy, this was fun, who was eating there who said he had a, um, uh, a yacht on the Columbia River and that he started the f- uh, food, cha- food, uh, food TV or food network when it started and the travel channel. And he left a $200 tip. Last night on a hundred something dollar bill. That was kind of fun, and he made sure everybody knew he left that tip. Oh, sure, of course, <laughs> including us. But uh, I wanted to get. I asked him if we get a ride on the yacht, and he said, "No, we're leaving soon for our home in Switzerland." So mm, anyway, as one that's, does. What, that's what I, exactly. That's I don't think that's going to happen every night at Larange. And I run into another ran into another guy who was kind of like Gary the foodie, who was just dining himself all over the place. He ordered every single thing on that menu at Larange last night. Uh, one, a single person, you know, Renee and I had two or three things between the two of us, and we were full. So the food was wonderful, and uh, Joel is a. Just very nice guy, and I'll talk. I, I will say he's worked at some greatest restaurants, and one of my favorite little segments in our podcast in our almost 10 years of history was Joel talking about how he got into the French laundry as an not not as a diner which he did first but how he got in as a as an employee stodged and how he got in uh, and started working there and learned his craft probably he will say the most significant learning he's done came from the french laundry in california so i found that to be uh, fascinating that um a kid at that age had his sights on what he wanted to do and how he was going to do it and he did it and here we go. Here we are with him doing some great things um, in the kitchen. So this is a, a, one of my favorite interviews. Again, I think we're on a hot streak here. Um, so Joel Stocks from L'Orange. And, uh, I, you know, I'm putting the French pronunciation on it. L'Orange. And uh, beautiful space. Really nice romantic spot. Small dining room. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to going back there again perhaps one of our little events in the future we'll see joel stocks l'orange right at the fork is brought to you by zupan's markets unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to local baked goods fresh flowers and an extensive craft beer selection step into zupan's and be inspired for your next meal Food-loving customers and local chefs know that Zupan's is the place to find the very best Northwest Bounty in Portland, West Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years. Zupan's Markets. Ringside Steakhouse. 
For over 78 years, Ringside has been providing the best steaks and has been the home of the beacon of great hospitality in Portland. Make a reservation today at ringsidesteakhouse.com. And while you're there, sign up for their mailing list to be the first to find out about exciting specials and events going on at Portland's beloved Hallmark restaurant, Ringside Steakhouse. And by Portland Food Adventures. It's your opportunity to travel to the world's most celebrated food destinations with Right at the Fork host, Chris Angeles, and some of his favorite chef friends. Check out PortlandFoodAdventures.com for exciting and delicious itineraries to Spain, Italy, and elsewhere. Stay in great hotels, eat incredible food, and leave the planning to Portland Food Adventures. So thank you very much. I really appreciate it. I look forward to talking to you. I'm sorry. It's like my I say this to everybody. I'm sorry I haven't seen you I in a know, long time. That's the world we live in right now. <laughs> it, it's kind of well. It's also the world I've made for that's myself out in Manzanita. I'm not, uh, but I'm going to get in. I saw someone posted your a little video of the yep. restaurant this yep. morning. That looks great. Congratulations! Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm really happy with the space and and how it's feeling in there so far. It must feel pretty good for you to have a home like a home kitchen yes and know that's your thing and you know you did very well at Holdfast for yes. years and unfortunately that couldn't continue but now you've got a new a new uh, baby yeah, a new baby it's definitely in the baby stage but it's been going really well with soft openings and then finally getting us fully fully rolling right now so oh very yeah. nice so um you did a pop-up, so it's not like you haven't been in a yes. kitchen, and it's not like it's foreign exactly. to you. So, but this is, you know, uh, how much time from concept to opening for soft openings did it take to, to do the whole well, thing? Well, so Jeff found a space um, last summer, um, and that's when he approached me. He knew that the Willow guys were heading out of the space and leapt on it immediately. And basically sent me a message saying, hey, do you want to come check out this spot? I think we could do something fun here. Um, and I'd never actually been upstairs and had no idea how large of area it was. Like, there are multiple rooms up there. Um, I literally thought it was just the counter room because that's what Willow was mainly utilizing. And so when I went up there, I instantly saw the potential. It's got this really cool feel. Um it's an old building, like early 1900s, which is kind of the same as my house that um, I live in, in in Northeast Portland. So it's got the same kind of like old windows, hardwood floors that are original, all this really good f feel in the space that, uh, you know, new, newer construction it doesn't have that same same character to it. So really fun with that. It's a very Portlandy space. Before, before I, I'm going to say... You know, going way back. And it's funny, I was reading your uh, yeah. bio at the places you've been, and oh my God, they were the, the, the standards for a long yeah. time, right? I mean, just to read the bent yep. brick and, and 50 mm -hmm. plates, I mean, that's it's a, a long, long It's ago a very long now, time right? ago. Uh, right, and even Park mm -hmm. Kitchen, which was like the standard bearer. Yep. That was, that was so, when, when uh, I was in high school, like senior year or so, I think was when... Park Kitchen really came on the scene and was really the the flag bearer for the city at the time. So, no wonder you have no good hair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, getting there, getting there <laughs> slowly. You know, 
You'll you'll find yeah. reasons. So I can name a couple of chefs right now that have you seen them lately? <laughs> well, and I'm not one to talk. I not only you know not only is my hair gray, but it's not plentiful. Yeah. So I'm going to um, get to that spot for sure. But, <laughs> No, well, no, you got a nice looking beard there you're going. So, um, so you have quite a nice history, not only in Portland, but, oh my God, your um, resume that you were kind enough to send me diligently, <laughs> yes. thank you, um, you know, includes some incredible places, like we'll talk about the French Laundry a little uh-huh. bit, and Willow's Inn uh, up in, on the San Juan yep. Islands, and Arzac. And I'd like to talk a little bit about Spain, Definitely. too. Definitely. love Spain. You, you got some chops. And not only that, you've got some real chops in Portland with Holtfast. Exactly. Because that was, that was um, you know, one of the most lauded restaurants we had for I'm, quite a bit of time. And rightly I so. I'll I say that. that. I, I wouldn't say that about every restaurant <laughs> that gets a lot of accolades. But but that one I do, and you guys, there was a certain vibe to that when you really built it and made it your own, and um, really cool. And also, you did one of those crazy events out at um, Standard TV. In oh, yes, TV. we did. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> I forgot I about that how, one. Well, I thought those were pretty cool because when I first started putting those together, it was, uh, you know, who's going to go to mm-hmm. Beaverton? And then the next thing you know, I got you guys yep. out there and, and Vitaly Paley yeah. in Beaverton at the Standard TV in a Plane show. Room. Well, it's funny because that's not too far from my parents' house. I was technically on, grew up on this side of Beaverton, the Portland side of Beaverton, but right along Beaverton Hillsdale Highway. Um, so right. know the area and it was fun when we did that. We, I knew exactly when we were out there. It's like, okay, we're getting staff meal at Dukabee. For lunch <laughs> and it was great yeah. oh yeah and then wasn't there a place across the street that was like i can't remember it was like a type place called like uh fuck me or something like that <laughs> yeah. i don't remember it was something like that but the the irony is the reason i bring that up amongst other reasons is you know and you can talk to this mm-hmm. a little bit because you had a restaurant closed by you know the pandemic's caused the closing of yeah. Old Fast. But Beaverton was not a cool place to go, mm-hmm. right? You went out there just for an event. But now Every, everybody's looking there. that everybody's way. Everybody's out there. Car- Carlos right. out there. Like, yeah, it's the cool it's the cool kids. Right. All going and, out there. and Benny's been out there for a few mm-hmm. years. He kind of paved the way, I think, a little bit as a, in addition to um uh I you know, the perils of trying to think of something. <laughs> uh, okay, never mind. Um, but there are a couple of places out there. So now, now it's happening. But you've now opened in the heart of Portland. Yep. And um, how is the restaurant scene right now? You, you obviously had to use some intuition to decide to ro- open a restaurant and a little bit of yeah. data. How, uh, how do you feel it's going to go for I you? I think it's going to go really well. I mean, it's a really nice small space that can be controlled with a small staff. And that was definitely... One of the only ways that I would get back into the restaurant scene is I've always liked small, intimate restaurant settings. Um, so that's what this has location-wise as well. It's so easily located. Um, you can jump over the bridge um, and get there really easily. So people, even my parents living on the west side, can be there in under under 15 minutes unless they hit a train. Which that's always. <laughs> Have you told them this was the main reason that you opened it there? So of they course I told there? them that they've already yeah. been in multiple times and have another reservation <laughs> in two weeks. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. nice! 
Nice. Well, I can. I, I guess I can get. If I'm, you're talking West Side. I can get there yeah, pretty easily sure. too. Plus, I know where it is. I was just describing to some friends yeah. where it was this morning in a terrible fashion. <laughs> Don't let me be okay. that guy. You're not the direction <laughs> giver. Okay. I'm actually okay, but yeah, when it comes to, I'm so you get so used to using yeah. maps now that actually identifying streets, uh, cross streets, can be a little tricky but the closest i got was division which is what yeah, five blocks that's a, that's, yeah that's a good so, that's a good marker yeah. for it I, I said it's between kachka and that's division. A, that's perfect landmarks so, right so just take take a left or yeah left at kachka anyway so um yeah so how many staff will you necessarily need and that's a big issue it, now it really so, is uh for restaurants so we're able to run with pretty much two people in the dining room managing the front of house and then in the kitchen we go with three people on any given night um the staff that i've been able to bring in is awesome they're all people that i've worked for in the past or worked with in the past um starting off with nick duff who we worked together at 50 plates so that was 15 years ago now um well let's have a little fun with that because I go back that far. I don't go all the yeah. way back, but 50 plates. Yeah. Just explain that concept so, quickly because it was fun. And it's, it's right now where, it's where the MEC yep, spot Great spot right in the middle of the now. Pearl. So 50 plates was opened right. by Joe Rapport, who actually was the first chef I ever worked for when I was in high school. Um, and so this was his, he had a restaurant called Jopa on, in the Southwest off Beaverton Hillsdale Highway. 50 plates was his, um, downtown venture and so it was basically taking americana all around the country kind of honing in on um very specific regional dishes and things that we try to have a menu that covered the whole country Um, didn't it wasn't i I may be wrong but initially didn't he want to have a menu with something from every that was that's why that was definitely one of the initial concepts but realizing 50 (laughs) different plates is a giant menu and and so we we edited that down you're just getting that prepping for (laughs) that would be kind of crazy but we would do things like cincinnati chili you know chili over spaghetti with with table side cheese grating and everything and um just some really fun you know, kitschy kind of kind of plates and plays on food. Oh, good. Well, I'm good at tangents, but yeah. let's get back, <laughs> get to, back to the kitchen. Stuff. You were talking so, about the kitchen, yes. but but also you have not only your people you've worked mm-hmm. for, but you got a reputation. Do and I'm. We can go back yeah. to the kitchen, but do you still have access to the whole fast list? So, from a marketing standpoint, I you do. Can I do. People? So that was when I. When we closed Holdfast, both Will and I took our mailing lists and have basically transferred them over into what I had now also have as Gem, so Gem Supper Club, um, mm-hmm. which that was what I did after Holdfast was launched a little supper club out of my garage with my wife Emily, um, and so we I have a pretty big robust email list that I can I can reach on that are all great customers and great supporters over the years so um i've already seen a lot of them coming through the doors at larange so that's that's always fun and that has got to be very pleasing yes. for them to see you in your new gig and yep. uh for for you to see them too back to the kitchen yep. so you've got some people so, that you're yep, pretty I, tight I have nick duff i also have ben shaw who's even a longer past where i worked with him at noble rot 
um, the original Southeast location. So that was the first job that I had when I came back to town from New York Culinary School. Was uh, so that would be circa 2007. Um, yep, I went on a date. To <laughs> that I love that. Ride I love that that location, and that's actually Lorange kind of has those those vibes as well. So it's a same. It is a similar vibe, but just because a little side note, the woman I went on a date with at Noble Rod is coming with us to Sicily. Oh wow! In 2023, yeah. 16 yeah. years later. So um, how cool yeah. is that? And. So anyway, that was a that was a cool restaurant. Noble Rot's gone through some changes, obviously yep. geographically and slight ownership changes as well. Yeah, but so Noble Rot's definitely one of those that's been around for a long time, and is it's great to see that type of consistency over all the years too. Mm-hmm. And um, are you still in touch with Scott? Yeah, I am. Dolich? I am. Um, I actually had reached out to him earlier this year, talking to him about the concept and you know ideas that i had going forward because honestly a lot of the dishes i am taking inspirations from my times at park kitchen um that style of farm to table food um definitely i think plays well in this type of restaurant setting and it's in an a la carte restaurant to boot which is something that i haven't done in a long time um people know me for my tasting menus um because that's hold fast and gem and a lot of the restaurants that i've worked with or worked at have been tasting menu focused so it's fun to get back to a uh, more traditional a la carte um format and setting um but what's the advantage to that for you not only from a business standpoint but from a creative standpoint so actually from both of those points it's not necessarily an advantage it's tougher <laughs> so that's why that's why i, I asked. so I it's a good curious not a lot of people are going that aren't. direction but why i like it is for the fact that more people can come in more frequently um, and have it be the neighborhood spot that they show up, you know, every other week or, you know, monthly where a dinner at gym, it's a, you do that once a year kind of thing. It's a special event. It's, um, you know, more expensive, but also more time consuming. And so people don't have that much time where here you can come in 90 minutes in and out, having awesome food, great wine, and you can keep coming back to have that experience over and over again from i i rather like it yeah. and i not that i have anything wrong with tasting menus but uh i like looking at a menu and thinking i can make a choice mm-hmm. and maybe here's the other thing i think is you fool yourself into thinking oh there's something for 18 dollars, and there's something for 20 we can get out of here for under 100 uh-huh. bucks but that's then it, there's so many good things on the menu with a place like yours is the, by the time that happens, you go, oh, I could have done a tasting <laughs> yeah, menu you, for, for the- sure. <laughs> for sure. Well, and so then from the two points that you mentioned as well, the from the business side, it is much harder to figure out your margins and your ordering and keeping all of, all of the numbers tight. So that's definitely a daily working on that. Um, and, and having the control of the menu, it's how do you know each dish having to be perfect, but also at the same time, what are people actually going to want to order and guessing what that's going to be rather than a tasting menu, you get to tell them what they're going to order. And, <laughs> and so it's a lot easier in some ways for that. Right. And I would imagine you don't, you'll find that out over time. Sure. And I would imagine the size of the restaurant, how many so seats? It's, 
Are you calling it a restaurant or a wine bar? What do you What do you want to call it? It's a winery it? restaurant, is what it is. So <laughs> I've heard of both, but um, <clears throat> it's twenty six seats. So that includes seven seats at the bar, as and then the main dining room has twelve <clears throat> uh, seats at traditional tables, and then we have another side room that is kind of a cool octagon shaped uh, banquette room, and so that's kind of for overflow currently where if you show up early you can go over there have a glass of wine or if another table is coming in you can you know have your dessert wine over over there and hang out for a little bit yeah it's cool it's a little it's like being in someone's home why don't you go i know well what's funny since jim was literally being in in my home so this is just an extension of that well, that's kind of nice that your customers aren't necessarily going to know your address, yes. any, your exactly. home address any longer, although the gym people know. <laughs> um, but I would imagine if it was a 50-seat restaurant, you, necess- you might not necessarily have gone a la carte, because that's a little more yeah. difficult to, to manage. Definitely. So it's a nice, intimate uh, situation. So I want to do a little soft segue okay. then, because we talked about talking about yes. Spain. So let's talk about maybe if there's any Spanish influence on your menu. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I want to talk about your, you know, your experiences in Spain yeah. uh, long ago when you went, because I've had some to compare to. And this isn't about yeah. me, but I may be able, I may be able to have some insight to ask you a couple of questions. Yeah, so the the menu um, at Laurent definitely draws from Spain as well as France and Italy, just the coastal sections of that. Um, and then when I say it draws from it, it's more in the ingredients, the um, just the style of of plates and food is drawing from there. It's not that we're doing a specific thing. Like I'm not. We're not doing a paella from this specific region or anything like that. It's more just that whole Cote d'Azur, the Barcelona, Spain area, um, just as influences and in, in the, where the ideas are coming from. Um, Don't you think that a lot of ideas are going, uh, I would say, kind of from Spain to Portland, but I feel like when I'm in Barcelona, it just feels like a lot of places in Portland and on steroids, yes. just like crazy, yeah. you know, it's a bigger Definitely. city. Barcelona is one of my favorite cities in the world, for sure. Yeah, it is. It's a great place to. What are some of your favorite places there? While well, so basically, I had a really big Spain um, expedition when I was 22 or 23 years old, where I basically bought a one way ticket and left my job at 50 plates, not knowing when I was going to come back. Um, and wound up being just about five months of traveling through Spain, starting in Barcelona, then traveled all down to Valencia and then over into Madrid and finished up in San Sebastian before returning to Barcelona. So it was a pretty big circuit, and all mm-hmm. I was doing was eating amazing food at multiple three-star Michelins, um, obviously multiple just markets sitting down uh, and doing that. 50, 50 plates was pay- paying you well? <laughs> well, no, I had... Uh, <laughs> I did save a lot of money, but I also had uh, my grandma was a huge um, supporter of me, and so she helps she helps buy my plane ticket and things like that because she was a huge foodie herself, and so I was very fortunate to have someone that could help me do a trip like that. Um, well, that's good, but one plate plane ticket equals two dinners at three <laughs> star restaurants. Although prices were slightly better <laughs> back at that time. Um, right, and you're talking one yeah. way, so you were you're not worried about exactly, exactly. That's good. 
So did you? So what are your, some, so some some of your some favorite of places? But I'm most interested in high, Bar- Barcelona. So Barcelona was Cal Pep um, was awesome. The, yep. Yeah. So ate there multiple times. Honestly, one of my favorite meals though is just going to the market and getting the seafood. The Mariscos plate of the day. Like uh, would I do that weekly? Um, and, I had some scallops at the one of the seafood market places there that were just incredible they just quickly exactly well and that's what was so great was it would be the best freshest seafood but then the way they prepare it was literally just garlic butter and some parsley over the top and that's it and so that's really how i like to eat seafood the best too um Mm -hmm. i I like a lot of things pretty simple too so um and uh, I, you know, I never, I, I try to stay away from asking about specific places because you may just say, no, I uh-huh. haven't been there or you may not uh-huh. like it, but, um, you know, I'm sure you got to Pinocchio, yeah. yep. correct? Right at the beginning Definitely. of the market, you know, and, and Wanjo just, uh, yeah, he just passed uh-huh. away. That was kind of yeah, sad. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he just passed away. But um, any others that come to mind offhand? I'm gonna I'm gonna let you I'm, see if you mentioned. See, some I'm of trying my to favorites. remember. Was it El Champagnette? Was one of the top of spots okay. in, in right in the Gothic Quarter. Um, right. Blunt. How about did you ever go to Bar Cagnette, Yes, which is a lot like yep, Cal yep. Pep. And uh, I think they're a little more friendly at Bar Cagnette. Cal Pep was it, the food was mm-hmm. incredible, but they just didn't. If you wanted to try to be cute or humorous, mm-hmm. they weren't no, receptive. Exactly. It was that. a very uh, you're you're coming in, you're dining, you are going out the door type situation. <laughs> um, some of the right. some of the fancier restaurants at the time um, in Barcelona that I ate at would be Cinque Santis, as well as Alcamilla, um, which. Have you checked to see if they're still around? Sing, because, sings, of, like, ticket, tickets know, is tickets no longer Tickets around. wasn't there, actually. Tickets hadn't started yet when I was there. Um, but I know St. Santis still is. And that was an interesting one because the owners are actually Canadian and had moved to moved to Spain and opened this restaurant. as husband and wife um, combo, I believe. So that's still there. You should check that out next time you're in town. That was a tasting menu. Um, Format. I will. I have to. Ma- I have to make note of it. I, I think I need to expand my horizons. I've been there a few times in the last year that weren't on my PFA uh-huh. trips with with my son and my girlfriend, and we. Got, I got all their the greatest hits that are still yeah. there. Um, a, a couple of times we discovered. Well, when you, yeah, too. when you know that the spots are awesome, that's really hard to not go back to the ones that you know are going to be great. Well, that's a good question. So, are you prone? To, I've done that mm-hmm. before, and I've thought, well, we can go to this place we don't know, but we could go back yep. where we just went last night. Do you ever do that? Because I, I figure that's a sure bet. I didn't try the whole menu. I want to go I, yeah, back. Yeah, I go back to, especially when I'm traveling abroad. Um, it's kind of like I did the research the first time, and I checked the boxes. These are the good ones. And so if I'm, if I'm only going to be in Barcelona once every five ten years it's i want to go to those spots that i know are going to be good and that's actually this um the most recent which wasn't that recent it was pre-pandemic but traveling abroad was going to uh menton in france which is where mirazur is and that's a spot that i had staged at years ago and i say that again because it got a little muffled this time i don't know if it's going to come out in the gotcha recording. so one of my most recent trips was uh, to Menton in the coast of France. Mm-hmm. So that's the very, it's literally right 
you can walk across the street to the to Italy is right there. Um, and Mirazur is a restaurant that I had staged at uh, years ago. And so I returned to Mentone with my wife, Emily, um, the year before the pandemic. And it was the type of thing where it's like, I know that this spot's going to be awesome. We're going to eat here, here, here and travel along the coastline because I've done it before. Wind up in Monte Carlo, hang out and all, all of that fun stuff. Go to Khan because she's a film film school graduate. So, you know, have to hit Khan and see all that, you know, great film history stuff. Um, and so it was things that I had done, but I was like, I know this is going to be a great trip, so let's do it again. And and eating, uh, I've I've read a little bit about some of the places on the Italy side that are close to mm-hmm. France, and I just think that uh, the marriage of those two the cuisines or cuisines from those two places is just can't fail, yeah. right? They're different. They're different, they're, but they're different. It, it's funny because if you're taking the train. You hit one stops Mentone and the next one is Italy and it's literally you feel like you're in a different world even though they're less than two miles from each other on the coastline. But not just with the language, but just the culture is is very different for being how close it is. But the food, I'm sure they influence one another. So, and I'm sure everywhere you've traveled is influencing Absolutely. what you're doing now, Absolutely. right? That's it has to. You didn't just pull it out. You didn't just pull, pick up a random cookbook and say, "This is where I'm going." Yeah, go. No, I, exactly. That's uh, I just had a customer in the other night that he's dined with us at Holdfast. Um, he was actually my physics teacher in high school at, at Wilson High School <laughs> and, um, or Ida B. Wells now. But he's di- he dined at Holdfast over 25 times and he dined at Gem and now he's at Larange. And he still is like, how, how are you coming up with these flavor combinations? And I don't have a good answer other than I... I you can't give your I, physics teacher that I, answer. I, you I, have no, to come up with well, something like scientific. Like you said, it's, I'm drawing from all, all my experiences combined i'm just always thinking of things and so they don't seem weird to me because it's just a long you know a long life of of eating and cooking food so well you know i did not do my homework properly to go back to the podcast where you and Uh will joined us years Uh ago um and i may have asked you this but i can ask you now because people are listening to this one what is the real difference what was the real difference um what were the influences that you had on your food and Will had? Who was better at what? Who did, you know, what, what did you both bring to the table that you, uh, and I, I'm going to say you're probably, I can't say you're, you're going to be missing, you miss Will, I'm sure, but for, your food is still going to be great. Sure. And he's been at Abbey Road Farm doing what he's yeah. doing, and his is great. Mm-hmm. So the two of you separately are fantastic, but together it was mm-hmm. magic. So what were, what were some of that ingre- the ingredients? Well, that what's interesting, so we worked really well together because in a lot of ways our, our paths followed similar arcs. Um, we both were, came through Park Kitchen. That's where we first met. That's why we both went on to open up the Bent Brick with Scott. Um, so we had, for a, at least locally, we had the same kitchens that we'd been through. But then globally, I would say Will has more experience in Denmark, Scandinavian, um, Icelandic. He spent time traveling through those areas and picking up those flavor influences, where I spent much more time in France, Spain, um, and the Western European areas. And so... I guess that that's where 
they interlinked really nicely because we also both came from the culture of you travel, you work at places, you stage, you see as many different restaurants as you can that are operating at high Michelin levels, but they just happen to be in different countries that we're coming from. And so it gives you the same work ethic, work mentality with just slightly different tweaks on what your ingredient palette is, you know, and so that's why I think it worked really well. But then at the same time, why it works amazingly individually too. I think if you if you took photographs of the two mm-hmm. of you and said which one has the Nordic <laughs> influence and which one has the Southern European influence, even like ninety percent of people would be able to. Uh, pick it well, out. if I grew my beard out more yeah. more to Will's length, then maybe it'd be harder. But you know, <laughs> to tell the difference, um, probably not even then. <laughs> well, maybe I don't know. But he didn't always have that. He's changed up that's his look true. a that's few true. times too. So, um, well, that's cool. So you. Um, uh, and then San Sebastian. Yep. Did you get to Bilbao at all? I have I found never, that one of my favorite cities is I've Bilbao. I've heard that. I didn't get to Bilbao, unfortunately. Um, so that's definitely on the hit list of places. What was uh, There was a restaurant. I think it's Galicia. It's called like Galicia del de Bilbao. And it's, um, they're multi, it's like a mini chain, but it's basically a steakhouse for seafood. And the original one is in Bilbao. And so I was able to eat at that in Barcelona. And it's just a steakhouse menu of seafood. Um, and oh, I got to check. We haven't yeah, been I'll, there. I'll find the exact name for it that I was totally messing up there. But I'll send it to you. Because what was amazing was this is when, like I said, this was over a decade ago that I was dining there and what was crazy because they list where everything is coming from so the majority of it's coming from Bilbao but there were also gooseneck barnacles from Oregon so I'm sitting in Barcelona you know as a 23 year old and I'd never even heard of a gooseneck barnacle at that time and yet they were shipping it in from our Oregon coast and now you can a decade later you see them we can actually get them through our purveyors but at the time uh, no one was no one here knew the secrets that the Spaniards knew that they're delicious. <laughs> so. It's funny that you mention that because I moved out to the, the Oregon coast uh, 10 years ago. And I think it must have been about 10 years ago or nine years ago. I came across, you know, the driftwood comes in and mm-hmm. comes out and comes in. I came up across a piece of driftwood, took a picture of it and said, what is all mm-hmm. this? And everybody said, oh, my God, you need to scrape all that yeah. off. And those are barnacles. I had never, I yeah. didn't know. I'm from the yep. East Coast. And so um, that, that log had so many, and it was gone the mm-hmm. next day. It wasn't that some, some chef, you know, came out <laughs> and just <laughs> and grabbed them. it. But that, that was my first exposure to it. And I've had them quite a few times since. And they're, they're yeah. great. So, so we actually, I have a quick, sorry, just to jump in. But the follow up to that would be we actually, got so into them that what when we were at Hold Festival and I got to do the Andrew Zimmern Bizarre Foods episode where that's what we were doing was harvesting gooseneck barnacles. So Oh nice, because that is a scary little food that's uh it's looking at you and saying, This is kinda yep, strange. Exactly. So but they're delicious. Well, I'm, I'm glad you did that. Um so that's pretty cool. And then you have, you know, experience Unless you want to talk about Spain a little more, because I was well, I can talk a little more. Well, so because we didn't talk about San Sebastian at all, where that was. Oh yes, that little place that has a couple just a couple of spots that you can eat there. And so when that was basically towards the end of my trip, and the 
kind of all things were leading to San Sebastian so that I could eat at all the Muguritz and the Arzac. And then I actually did stage at Arzac for a couple of weeks while I was there. So getting to see the, the Spanish three-star kitchen um, was pretty amazing. And it was great because I actually ate at the restaurant the f- first night and then worked for the following two weeks there. So I got to actually see the behind the scenes of all the different plates that I had eaten um, to start, start with. How do you think it would have worked the other way around? Uh, I saw, I don't think I would have had nearly as amazing time as I did with my dinner. Knowing it's like, you know, if you know all the magic tricks, the show's not nearly as exciting. Right, right. That's cool. That's asking the uh, wizard to show you the tricks after you've, before the curtain has been drawn back. So yeah, that's good. And there's that's a really cool place to just buzz around. Well, yeah, the stop honestly in. that would be the best dining there is just you hit you have a lineup of eight different spots that you're going to get one plate and drink one glass of whatever and on to the next one and do it till the wee hours in the morning. So you know, my, one of my secrets is first of all, I go in there with Javier mm-hmm. from Urdaneta, so he knows his oh, way definitely. around, and we go to some great, great spots. And we've now met one of the leading tour guys there, okay. so he has just been awesome in helping us. But my other little ace in the hole—I oh, shouldn't say this—and you'll know them—is uh, Joan and oh, Jerry. Yeah. I love Joan and Who Jerry. I know. Like, they keep trying yeah. to get me to go over there, and I, I say keep trying. Oh. I would love to go over yeah. there and stay with them and get to have that whole experience. I just haven't found the time opening a restaurant, you know, kind of takes a little bit of time. <laughs> yeah, well, you'll get over there, and they'll get over here. They, they sold their place near you. I know. They, they would have been, been within walking know, distance. They would have been there all the time. But. Right. So, um, but I, what was it, the last trip, which was in April? They uh, were, there was the first time we well no the second time but they asked me up to their spot mm-hmm. and they took me to their favorite spot uh-huh. or one of their favorite spots which was it was a lot of fun it's just so I'm particularly happy about that because we they came with us on our trip with okay. Jose to that went through Barcelona uh-huh. right through to Bilbao to San Sebastian mm-hmm. and they fell in love with and it then so they much stayed, they moved there yeah. so they get, they're they're actually giving me a little credit for well, that's awesome. going there they're always very happy to you know i need i need reasons for people to be happy to <laughs> <Yeah>. see me <laughs> <laughs> So now, but that that is uh, kind of fun. So I'm sure next time you yes, go, I will be hanging. If they can't join you, they can certainly guide yes. you. They have. I, I think they said they have a list of like 250 places. That doesn't surprise me at all. And it's it's all kind of ranked, yeah. and they just keep moving I'm them around. Sure. Well, and you know them with their personalities. They're probably best friends with every single one of the owners of those 250 places because everybody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And what I what I find most amusing is to watch uh, the two of them. Joan does all the talking, and Jerry Jerry observes, yep. and then makes makes a cogent comment at the end after Joan's done her exactly. whole thing. Jerry jumps in with something. Yep. So, really all right, fun. people don't know Joan and Jerry, but they but they should if they're they if should. they're in San Sebastian, then they will send them their way. <laughs> Chris, we are pausing just a moment to talk about one of our favorite places to eat in Portland, an institution, as it were, Ringside Steakhouse. 79, over 79 years. 
I remember we were just saying 75 years, so time's flying, and uh, and we're coming up on an 80-year institution in Portland, uh, Ringside Steakhouse, where now, something they didn't have for most of those 80 years was, an, was outdoor dining, and their patio is awesome. And um, it's really nice spot to eat. They have they have some heaters out there if you need them. It's really pretty. So whether you're eating, you know, when you eat at ringside, you can either eat in the beautiful dining room, the bar. Now you can make reservations to eat in the bar or outside. Lots of choices there. In addition to lots of choices for different cuts of steak, right, Court? Yeah, I was just telling you this off air. Chris, I went just recently with my wife, Randy. Uh, you had been telling me, you got to get the Wagyu. You got to get the Wagyu. I, I finally did um, because there's so many great items to choose from, and I just hadn't got to it yet. I went with the olive-fed Wagyu, and easily the best steak I have ever had in my life. I, like, yeah. I was dumbfounded by it. It's a treat. It's not something you're going to get every time you go in there because it's a little expensive. Sure. But I've seen it for way more elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, it's something if you have, you know, a couple of times you get to say, just like you did, that it's the best steak you've ever had. And they have it. They have different options, too. So olive, olive fed is just one of them. The food, the food is delicious. And the service is absolutely bar none. The best in town. We had Colin serving us and just the best service the entire night. Best food. If it's a special occasion, if it's not a special occasion, Ringside Steakhouse is the place to go. Yeah, it will be. Just go in there. It will turn into a special occasion. There it is. So, uh, and they also have food to go now, and they even on their website they've got a, a scrolling banner. Ringside steaks are on sale, so that's a good opportunity as well. So they are on West Burnside. They're open. Let's give the hours here: four thirty to nine Monday through Thursday, four to nine thirty Friday and Saturday, and four to nine on Sunday. And, of course, set up those reservations. You can do that through the website, ringsidesteakhouse.com, or on the Open Table app. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the French Laundry and your experience there, because that arguably is probably the most well-known restaurant in the United Mm -hmm. States, I would think, if people who are aware of a food scene... You ask them, that would probably yep, come out. I would, I would say definitely it's the most influential of my career and just in terms of my ambitions for... So basically when I was in seventh grade was when I read a book and decided that I wanted to work at the French Laundry. Um, the book was The Soul of a Chef um, by Michael Rollman, and he talks about how amazing the French Laundry is in the final third section of the book. And so... I was kind of just dead set from seventh grade on, like that's where I need to, to get myself to. Um, and so one, the first time I ever got to eat there, I was 15 and it was, I didn't even like vegetables yet. I didn't have a great palate when I was a kid. I was a macaroni and cheese and plain cheeseburger kind of kid. Hold for a second. I would just want to ask this question. How does a 15-year-old kid who only likes macaroni mm-hmm. and cheese have the ambition to go work at the French Laundry? How does that happen? Because I I didn't necessarily like eating the food, but I liked the act of making it, and I liked the act of cooking. So it was those actions that I like, and then the food and the my palate, and now I eat everything, and um, it developed as I was 
cooking more. So I've always loved cooking. It's I, I haven't always loved all the food. I've always loved cooking. Um, That's yeah. interesting. And so, yeah, I, I ate there when I was 15 because my aunt and uncle lived in San Francisco. And for our 15th birthdays, my sister's a couple years older than me. So her 15th birthday, she got to go to San Francisco and do whatever she wanted with them. So she went to all the cool shops and, you know, San Francisco having the bigger bigger scene of fancy clothing shops and all that type of thing well when i went for my 15th i was like i want to eat at the french laundry so they got us lunch reservations and that was the first time eating cauliflower with caviar and i was like oh cauliflower can actually be good because it's when you put a giant scoop of ocetric caviar of course it's going to be good <laughs> um and so that was my first time really eating elevated food when I was a junior in high school, I already knew that I was going to be going to the Culinary Institute of America in New York. I hadn't applied, but I knew that that's where I was going to go. So I actually just cold wrote uh, to the restaurant, the French Laundry, and said, hey, I'm going to be um, going to school here. If my time is estimated right, it should be right about this time that I'd be doing my externship, which is there is basically a it's like an internship, but you're externing from the school. So you go work somewhere, get real industry experience. And so I told the the chef at the French Laundry, hey, it'll be this time. It's like two and a half years from now. Can I can I come do it at your restaurant? That's an that's an ambitious. Uh-huh. And that's why he that's, that's he responded pretty quickly. Where he was like, well, sure, I'll pencil it in because it's two and a half years from now. <laughs> like he's probably like, yeah, right. This kid who like he's probably not even going to go to school, but. Sure enough, I followed through with it. And so um, my my senior year of high school, it actually got mentioned in the Oregonian that I had these plans. It was back when they had food day, and they would do a weekly highlight of some local home, home chef, home cook, and what they were doing. So they featured me, mentioned how I was going to the French Laundry, and Leather Stores, who was the chef in, at Noble Rod at the time, saw it in the paper called the restaurant I was working at, which was Jopa, and was like, hey, uh, if you come work for me for free for a couple weeks, then I'll let you work the book signing tour that Thomas Keller is on. He's going around the country signing Bouchon cookbooks, because that's the year that it came out. He's like, I'll let, you, I'll let you, if you help us get set for that, I'll let you work the event, and you can meet Thomas for the first time. And so that's how, that's how it went, and I was summer of my high school year just got to meet thomas keller um at this book wow. signing and he was like i hear you're coming coming to the restaurant next summer to work with us and so yeah I'll, I'll see you then and so yeah as an 18 year old getting to actually go work at your dream spot and you check that off the list that young is pretty uh pretty special so that's pretty cool. You were the uh, Daryl Strawberry of, uh, <laughs> yeah. of cooks. High, very high mm-hmm. expectations. And so how did that play for you in terms of the pressure that you put on yourself? Yeah. I don't think you were really worried about... The, were you worried about the pressure Thomas Keller put on you? Yeah, of course I was or? worried about that. I, yes, anyone yes, that walks through there, the, I mean, mm-hmm. I will say of all the kitchens I've been in, um, it always comes back to no place is no place other than the French Laundry has as much accountability for every person from the top down. Um, and it's just the presence of the restaurant, the presence of the people working there. It's the type of thing where 
the the lowest person on the totem pole, if they see someone else doing something wrong, they're going to call them out on it because everyone just respects the the place that much the in the system. Yeah. And so it's really a great it's something to aspire to. It's you know to do everything as perfectly as you can each time. It's an impossible thing to actually do, but it's something to aspire to. Well, that's interesting. So most people are ma- trying to make reservations to eat there <laughs> two and a half years ahead of time. And you're, you took the, uh, the initiative to make a reservation to, to, to work yes. there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so it was, but it was, um, it was incredibly intense, but it was also incredibly informative. And once you were in the system and, and understood it and, worked with that same type of mentality and ethic it was a great place to work it wasn't a giant kitchen in terms of staffing which i've been to other kitchens alinea being one of them where there were 30 people in the kitchen at a time this was a restaurant that you actually for what they were doing relatively small 11 person service for for a nighttime service they're obviously the overall staff is is much larger than that but that's how you're running a, a line or the kitchen still is it it might still be a few more but, but for the actual service the service staff running that is i think still right around that number wow um, that's not the impression i would yeah. have had so i you, i might be wrong with how they they run it now but that was actually why i loved the experience there and then when i went and staged at alinea which is where i thought i was going to want to permanently work for a while after culinary school it was a different set it was you know, 30 people in the kitchen cutting board to cutting board and you didn't get as much one-on-one time with the, the sous chefs and the chef de cuisines that you that you did um, at the French Laundry, which that's what made that special. Well, those are two pretty incredible experiences. After you worked there, is was it a little tough to work anywhere else because you... You know, you played, I hate to say this as a Met fan, and another baseball <laughs> analogy, but you played yeah, for the Yankees. I knew that's where you were going to go with that. But, <laughs> um, it makes it not hard to work at other places, but it does have, I, I look at other places through a different lens, obviously. And so, um, I... It might make it easier, right? I mean, you really know what you're it, doing. It does make it easier in some regards. It does make it more frustrating in other regards in terms of if people aren't doing it the way that you want and to that standard, how do you navigate how to tell them without getting them upset at you or mad or enough to quit? You know, you want to be able to nurture people to get it to your standards. Um, and I think that's something that at Holdfast, once me and Will started bringing in um, actual employees to work with us in the kitchen i think they all were able to learn from us um in a positive way and they they've gone on and are doing great things um so so uh let's talk a little bit about that um so that was years ago when you started not too many years ago but yeah. years ago when you started hold fast and you um has the you know let's it's no secret that the labor pool is a little challenging yeah. now not only from the amount but i've heard the quality of the labor mm-hmm. pool um you have a small restaurant you're not you're going to be able to pick and choose or you have picked and chosen who you mm-hmm. want but from you know you have a lot of industry friends has the whole thing become a little more difficult 
because of the skill levels. There are a lot of people who are out of the business now and the political correctness it, it um, does. that has to happen in the kitchen for good yeah. reason, but is it a little more it challenging? And I, ju- I just think back to Leather saying, if you come work for us for free, mm-hmm. and then I thought, well, he was in high school. That's a fair yeah, well, and question. Then I, I, don't know if you can, I don't know if you could do you that anymore. You can't do that anymore, and it's a difficult... Um, it's a difficult transitional time right now, and it does need to be happening this way, but it is, it's just such a tough transition to go from old school. I worked not just for leather in high school, but all the way through my 20s at places for free, and um, that's not right, but that's the culture that I came up in, um, and so it wasn't a weird thing to me at the time. Now looking back on it, and also as a, as a business owner, you don't you can't do that like that's not that's just not how it's supposed to go if people work they need to be compensated properly for it and so the restaurant culture is is turning into that becoming a professional industry where you do pay people properly um but the fact that it's not we're it's going to take you know five years and we're maybe in year three of that five-year transition for and so it makes it tricky um so as to the labor pool and the quality or the numbers, a huge problem with that too is the pandemic when their restaurant industry didn't exist basically because everyone had to close. A lot of people had to leave to find other jobs and a lot of those people were very skilled people and that's why they're excelling at the jobs that are outside of the restaurant industry now and why they didn't come back once restaurants reopened. Um, so we lost a ton of talented labor just to that circumstance, which is unfortunate, but it's good for them that they've found other paths to succeed in. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's just going to be a hard, it, it is, it's not going to be, it's, it is currently uh, just a hard transition. Well, part of that process is that somebody's going to have to pay the tab to have higher paid employees. Exactly. It's not like everybody for years just said, I'm going to have slave labor mm-hmm. here and be off in the Bahamas. Yep. That's not the way it worked. The margins are, oh, have always They've been always, slim. always been slim. That I know of in the yep. restaurant business. So if you're going to pay people more, we're going to see higher prices. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there's that tricky balance between, and, you know, the, if, uh, Restaurants are having a challenging time. It means other industries. Exactly. I mean, I know there are a lot of people in the tech industry who make up a lot of your clientele yes, who may be unemployed exactly. right now. So it is a tricky, tricky, just global economic issues right now. Um, so is it a, with regard to a menu that you just built? Is it kind of, and you don't have a menu where you have to raise prices. You're establishing a brand new mm-hmm. menu, but... Is it going to be a thing where you just kind of like, you know, like the scale for me, where I have to keep moving that little thing up a little bit? Oh, no, I got to go that high. Is it something where you just tick it higher a little bit at a time? Or? No, I just try to approach the menu because um, value is something that we absolutely want at Lorange. And that was, you know, one of our mission statements of what we were going to bring. And so part of that is just in the menu creation of what cuts I'm using, what ingredients I'm using. Um to be able to keep those prices to the customer lower because I'm trying to find any spots that I can to help on my cost side. Um, so it's just working that balance that it's tricky and it takes a lot of work, but if you want to put the effort into it, I think you can find good margins on things. Um, 
and so that's right. I also think your a la carte menu is a big part of that, and I kind of alluded mm-hmm. to it before. Instead of someone looking at your, you know, going to your website and saying, "Let's look at a bookings and let's lo- oh, let's look at the yeah. menu and seeing one hundred fifty dollars and then plus wine yeah. pairings," uh, that's different than, as I said before, seeing. 18, yeah, 28, 18. 35. It's a different, it, it's it, a different it mindset. It definitely is a different mindset. Well, good. I'm looking forward to trying. Uh, you know, we don't talk about food too much on this podcast, but since you're just uh-huh. opening, what should I be looking well, forward you know, to that's most? exactly the question in every chef's supposed to be like every, every dish because they're all your creations, but which I honestly do stand behind every dish and I'm excited about all of them. Um, but I would say highlights um emily just ate ate there a couple days ago as a little solo solo dinner date um sitting at the counter and she we have a cucumber soup right now it's chilled cucumber lemon crumb fresh uh, marcona almonds dill so classic flavor combos but um we're able to make it incredibly unctuous and luxurious with an emulsification of olive oil and the cucumber that it tastes even richer than you think it's basically just blended cucumbers but it has this great texture and mouthfeel and people have been loving that um the stir and a nice summer no, nice exactly, summer, dish. summer dish for sure uh the sturgeon so i love sturgeon i've used sturgeon on countless menus um being growing up here everybody does salmon and since I grew up here, I'm kind of tired of salmon. I do I do use it on occasion because a lot of people enjoy it. But I'm like, sturgeon is also one of our local fish. So let's highlight that. And we treat it by cold smoking it. Um, and by cold smoke, I mean so cold that it's not taking on any cooking at all. When it comes out with a smoker, it's still raw. And so from that point, we're able to pan sear it and get it cooked to the perfect pan seared texture, but with the flavor of the smoke. Um, and so that's a really fun one that people are calling out every night of like, oh my gosh, that's the best fish that, that we've eaten. Um, and we do that with Lovage. Uh, it's a Lovage and green garlic puree right now. And the Lovage comes from my mom's garden. So that's fun every every week. Actually, I'm doing that later this afternoon. Run over to the Southwest and clip a bunch of Lovage from her backyard. And so that's a fun connection. Brings it to the, the home you know the home connection well again. plus especially it's lovage exactly it's, it's <laughs> like, i know than, that's a hallmark hallmark card right there right exactly um, but yeah so anyway the sturgeon with a lovage puree little parisian gnocchi that has lovage in it as well as uh, radishes and peas currently that'll probably switch over soon as the season is progressing into summertime but nice so for our uh for our many wine lovers out there, talk a little bit about the well, the wine the wine influence is, is obviously huge here. Um, so Jeff Jeff Veer and John House are partners in the restaurant, and they Jeff has been pairing my wines for ever from pre hold fast even um, when I was doing just random one off dinners with various chef friends. One of those being Will and Chris Kamori. We did a dinner where. That was kind of the the start of the idea of Holdfast, and and Jeff paired our wines for that. Jeff paired our wines through Holdfast. He paired all of my my gem menus, and so his wine and food combination knowledge is is amazing. And so I think there's not a not a wine on our list that's not going to be 
a good match with the food that we're making in the kitchen. And that's just, it's by design and it's by um, our long, long career together of, of working with wine pairings and food pairings. So, um, we have, we also have our, well, I was going to say, we also have our, our front of house staff is incredibly knowledgeable in wines as well. And so if you come in and you need suggestions, it's, you have great people to be able to lead you to the wines that are, you're going to want, what are going to work great with our food. So, I would imagine it will be pretty spectacular if that is a focus and it's not it just is. an after, afterthought. So that's great. So a little bit of, because I always like to do this, and I don't think I'm catching you mm-hmm. off guard, even though I did not prep you okay. with this, I don't think necessarily, but I think you might be a listener enough to know that uh, just to go over some of your favorite spots in mm-hmm. Portland where you where you have been maybe lately yeah that uh, people may need to know. Yeah, about. well, so Emily and I are definitely often when we dine out is more on the lowbrow side of things. So I do have a, a few there where, um, and it's in our neighborhoods. So we have Park City Pub, if you want uh, great just bar food, classic burgers. Um, it's right down the street on basically just about 82nd and Sandy. So that's our that's our home bar and our go-to for late night. It'd be, we'd get off work at gym and we'd just go down the street and get late night burgers and and we'd get her chicken strips and fries with with garlic texas toast um Mm -hmm. so recommend that for that type of format hourglass is going to be our fried chicken location um which is over on gleason and 74th and i've taken taken gary there a couple times so he knows that 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 is my fried chicken spot in town um, You're talking about Gary Okazaki I, for I the am, uninitiated. Who's uninitiated in this exactly. town? Who doesn't know? So <laughs> that's that's our fried chicken spot. We're there about once a once a month. And the great thing about them is I'm a big sides person, and I love their coleslaw. I love their potato salad. And then they have JoJo's. They used to have baked potatoes, but the, the key, the move is to get the JoJo's. But then when you get home reheat them in the oven with a whole bunch of sour cream and butter and mash it up and it's basically like you have a baked potato out of a jojo oh so you're going you're you know, telling that's them a little secret. Eh, i don't know about your jojos i want to go back to the baked well, potatoes but it's almost better having the fried potato turned into a baked potato right yes i agree that sounds great. um so those those are like our standard we go there often um for a little fancier restaurants, Jacqueline and Normandy are two that I that I love that we go to whenever we're going. There's the French exactly, influence, exactly. Um, and both of those spots are great, great date night, great when that's like birthday birthday dinners. We go there because um, that's usually when we're having our fancier meals with Emily's parents or with my parents, and um, so yeah, highly recommend either of them. And. Yeah, how many how many more do you well, want? I would, I would imagine. No, that's fine. That's good. I would imagine they are. It's got to be very pleasing to a restaurant owner to see Joel Stocks come in for his birthday. That's where he's chosen to go. I would imagine, and you have the same thing when you have people come into your restaurant, sure. where it's an honor yeah. to have have someone who's so talented come in and choose to it, eat that it food is. and. And or pick your JoJo, get your JoJos, <laughs> and take them home and mash uh-huh, the shit out exactly. of them. 
<laughs> well, that is fantastic. I look forward to so tell us a little bit about Lorange and where to find you online yeah, so and all, make all reservations details, and all, all that good stuff. Details. Yeah. Is, so Lorange, we're going to be 11th and Harrison. It's so like you said, it's in between Kochka and Division on 11th Street. Um, and that's not that's not really specific, <laughs> but if you do that, you do it, you'll and find look it. to your look to right, your right you might for see. a giant. Larange sign that's running down this corner of the building. There you go. Uh, that, that helps. It's got light bulbs all around it. So if it's nighttime, you'll see it looks like the Hollywood, the Hollywood marquee, Hollywood theater marquee. Um, that was a fun sign to put up. Jeff and I actually made made that when we were able to put that up um, with a couple of the construction guys across the street helped us with their cherry picker to get get high enough up to change out all those light bulbs that had been burned out for years. Then <laughs> just a tangent for you there, but um, so we're going to be open Tuesday through Saturday from starting at five o'clock, and we use Resi for a reservation system. Um, it's a, like we said, a small, only twenty-six seat restaurant. Currently, the core menu, nothing over thirty dollars. We'll have daily specials that might dip higher than that if I'm giving you like a giant, uh, giant Texas steak or something like that. But for the most part, trying to stay under that price point and keep that value. Um, it's about an 11 to 12 item menu. Great wine list. Great wines by the glass. Great bottle list. Um, yeah. And so you'd find you, uh, oh, yeah, for, if you want to go yeah, to your website, so, it's LaurangePDX. Yeah, LaurangePDX.com. That's also our Instagram handle, LaurangePDX. Or at Lorange PDX. Without the apostrophe. Yes, just Without not the apostrophe. With the apostrophe there. And also, you can, if I've been posting a lot of stuff on my at Joel STCKS account as well on Instagram. So you'll see quite a few Lorange sneak peeks and plates coming from that account. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So, um, how f- uh, how far out are you booking reservations? Do you have a certain time frame? Or, and what, it, what, are, what do you. What do you suggest? So we're, I think, going to be booking out through the summer, so through August, um, until we. And so yeah, we're going to be booking out and through August, and then towards the fall, we're going to start adding some other offerings, like tasting menu at the at the bar counter area. Um, so we haven't opened the books that far out yet because we want to make sure we have everything lined up. Um, and I I recommend you know coming in early come get your reservation early and have a nice little you know five thirty six o'clock meal it, the light up there is what's amazing the space feels awesome because it's just all windows all natural light you're on the second story so it's just a really fun um afternoon atmosphere and or if you're getting off late it's also a good spot or after you've had your main dinner you can come in later on you know and get great finishing glass of wine and a cheese plate or something like that i was going to say for the gary the foodies mm-hmm. it could be your third yeah, that's true of that the night. true you, you do that. <laughs> <laughs> there aren't many of those mm-hmm. out there i just got to do two lunches with him i was very yeah. honored to actually be able to do two lunches yeah. and i don't think he would call them two lunches they weren't two you know we only had a, they were a couple just two snacks two snacks during the right two, two but to me it was two yeah. lunches for him it was two snacks all right well thank you very yeah, much um, anything else you want to impart that you that maybe we missed that uh i think we covered quite a few areas you know we can always come back on and talk about more things if, if we if we need 
We can do that. And if there are any listeners who have a specific question, a very good suggestion is go into the restaurant. They'll probably see you, right? Is it fairly open and you're going to be visible? I can see the dining room very easily. And also us in the kitchen, we're running plates to the customers. And so that's, you know, we get a whole lot of customer interaction. And it's a, you know, it's not quite as close as the hold fast counter was, but you still get a lot of FaceTime with everyone. So that's fun. Well, yeah, you can assume if you come in and you want to say hi to Joel, you can say yes. hi to Joel. You will be able yeah. to do that. So, Very cool. Well, I will do that. I, I am committed to doing that yes, soon. when you're back in town. Because, uh, you know, well, it's not so much when I'm back in town. I have to make plans. Because, you know, we used to record this podcast weekly in uh-huh. Portland. And so I was always there. And so I got a lot of time to go around and do it. And now I'm a post-pandemic podcast mm-hmm. and we're i'm not in portland as much as i used to i don't just go there unless i have reason to be mm-hmm. there i kind of like being out here like right now it's 62 that degrees what is it I don't what is it in there 62 right now degrees it's definitely getting hot right this ex- week. <laughs> exactly so and uh i've lost a little weight too so that's yeah, good that's great. not not being around all the uh, incredible food i can't say that we're we're on some decent food out here but not not nothing like yeah. that so but i I am committed to uh, coming in soon. By that, I mean in July if I can sounds, get in. Sounds good. So, so that'll be great. All right. Well, listen. I really appreciate you taking the yeah, time. Thank you for having me. And on. I, I, and I appreciate you being responsive in this day and age. Uh, not everybody is. People used to be very responsive, and I have to say now it's refreshing to have someone who gets back I try to, to you. Be prompt. And not. I, I try to be. Prompt. You are. You're prompt, and you're also you kept me on my toes because I failed to send you a confirmation, and you said, "Do we do?" So I really appreciate that, and I appreciate you, and I appreciate all we've been able to do together. Even though I'm not in a lot, uh, I appreciate it, and so hopefully we can do some more things in the future yeah. as well. In addition to having you back on the podcast after you've had some time under your yeah. belt at uh, Laurent, great. Good Thanks luck. Thanks a lot. We'll see you soon. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right